<clears throat> Welcome to the Recruiter Startup Podcast. Today's guest is Ian Nolson. He is a futurist who talks about the future of work, the future of recruitment. He's a recruitment NED. Um, he's worked on both sides of the fence. He's been a recruitment trainer. He's been in the industry for a hell of a long time. He partners with lots of global firms out there, like Cisco. Um, and he's an all-round bright chap who knows his onions. So who better to bring on the podcast and pick his brains about what's going to happen next, what we all should be doing, how we can plan for it. And we just kind of had an open conversation about the future work, future jobs, and how it all ties together. Hope you enjoy this one. Um, if you do, please do share it with another recruiter. Um, and let me know. Let me know how you're going with uh, listening to these podcasts. I always love a bit of feedback. Um, we'll have more on the scale series that has gone down really well. Um, I'm going to interview my wife and business partner, Charlotte, uh, as I've been requested by quite a few people to do so. Um, one of the key things I want to talk about is why now, after you kind of have a cushy enough life, why now do you want to go from having a lifestyle business to trying to build something that scales? And what's changed? And as Charlotte is the decision maker. I thought we'd get into it with her. So that's going to be released shortly. Hope you all have a great day, great week. And we're being a bit more optimistic about what June is going to hold, July and August. Hopefully we're going to be back to work properly very soon. Every week seems to be, it seems to be getting a little bit better. But uh, if anybody wants to chat, I'm right here. Welcome to the Recruiter Startup Podcast. I'm joined here today with, by Ian Nolanson. Did I say your name right? You did. You did. Good. Very good. Good on you. Uh, industry influencer on the future of work. And we're in a new normal now. So I wanted to bring on a futurist to get into what's, what's everything going to be like on the other side of this, not just for the recruitment industry, but for the jobs industry, because well, things come downhill and being wrecked to wreck, I'm at the bottom of the food chain. And not sure about that, but yeah, but, go on. Well, let's think about it, right? We've got the money, yeah, the product, we've got the jobs, yeah, we've got the recruitment agencies, and then we've got the rector act providing to yeah. the recruitment agency. Okay. I see your logic. From from that standpoint, um but, uh, upside down and so say you're top of the money. Yes, absolutely. So Ian, um, before we jump into how crazy life is right now, can you just give us a bit of breakdown uh, of your background? Yeah, sure, no problem. Um, well, I've been in recruitment uh, for 35 years. Uh, started off in the 1980s in Bristol in um, the Margaret Thatcher Booyers, uh, when in those days you actually had to sell the concept of using a recruitment agency because nobody actually even considered using agencies back in the early 80s um gone through that and um did a lot of technology it engineering electronics recruitment um and then uh anyway, i was working for a business in uh, uh the late 90s i got bought by the big 
recruiter that is Hayes and got absorbed into Hayes um, and uh, did both temp or contract as it is in, in the engineering sector in IT and uh, perm recruitment. My specialism probably was mainly perm. Uh, working exclusively with on assignments for major large corporates, Barclays, British Aerospace, I mean, you name them. And then in the noughties, became business development manager, then director for Hayes, working across Europe, helping Hayes grow into uh, the the Nordic, sorry, not the Nordics, the, um, the Northern European countries, and then also into, a little bit into Spain, Italy, and uh, France, but mainly Germany, Netherlands, and actually spent the time working in Germany, which was good fun. Were you involved when, when Hayes were listed as a business? In- yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and um, that way you've got a Lamborghini at the front. <laughs> no, it's a cash guy, I'm afraid. So obviously, I didn't have any chairs, but yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, did that, and then ended up um, running public sector for Hayes IT um, with a team of guys. Had a great, a lot of fun doing that in the um, the noughties. Then became public sector director for Hayes IT, Hayes IT, and then Hayes I, Hayes generally selling managed service into local authorities government departments and then in 2011 there was a round of redundancies and I chose the opportunity to leave and do what I do now. So I I consult and advise uh, recruitment companies on how to grow and expand and I'm a non-exec for a couple of companies as well so yeah it's all good stuff. Yeah well what type of stuff do you do you consult these recruitment agencies on? What's what size of businesses are they? Well, everything from businesses that are probably two, three man, women enterprises, right the way up to, oh gosh, PLCs, turning over thousands, no, billions of dollars, um, doing executive coaching, uh, advising. The smaller business, we work very closely with them, building a three to five year growth plan. Um, and then having created their growth plan um, as coaches, guys and who work with me we enable that growth plan so we work with them the business owners to help them achieve increases in turnover typically from i know one two million up growing them up to five ten ten fifteen million do you help them sell their businesses then um yes is a short answer to your question um or we we help them plan an exit because not everybody wants to sell okay um, I- so, so are you the goal between between the broker then and and them? Um, I, I'm one of the people that gets involved with the brokers, but actually sometimes people don't want to sell. What they want to do is they want to move to a future where um, they take a back seat, so they become almost like a uh, chairman or an ambassadorial role. And they still be the principal shareholder, but they'll employ an MD to run the business, and sometimes. We work together to coach and develop that MD, for either from within the business or in the case of some clients I've worked with in the last two, three years, we go out to market and we recruit an MD. And we will probably come to somebody like you guys and say, look, you know, we're looking for somebody who wants to come in. And obviously, when we recruit somebody in, they get skin in the game. We give them shares or share options or growth shares, something like that. So not everybody wants to sell. You know, mm-hmm. what do you sell? What, when you sell your business, you get a few few million hopefully uh what do then what do you then do well often these people then go back into running a recruitment mm-hmm. company don't they? so somebody says to me well why would i sell it why don't i just you know create myself a little pension off the business and go off and invest and do other things yeah and use the business to get involved in you know i don't know 
setting up an operation in the US or in Australia or let's go into training or let's do something else. So that's that's often what we do. How how busy has your diary been since the COVID-19 crisis? Um, I'm still working. Uh, I'm not eligible to um, to furlough myself. So yeah. if that answers your question, uh, it's changed. It's massively changed what I'm doing with companies. So some of my clients have literally gone into into lockdown, total lockdown, and they shut. Wow. Uh, several of my clients, we've worked on pivoting their business models. So they're now doing different things. Mm. Or they looked at a sector that they were maybe 25% in, you know, so logistics, healthcare, and they've piled into that sector. Or they were doing permanent, and we've now started doing temp with the clients that we were previously doing permanent with. Yeah, so it's, so it's just been there. Uh, I, I can imagine that... Uh, in this time, it's it's more important than ever to have an executive coach. Hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, obviously, I'm not going to say no. It's my job. Um, but, yeah, I think so. I mean, I think the most important thing to say about what, what I do and what the guys that work with me do is we are coaches. So there is not one single way of running a business. We don't come to our customers with a pre um, preconceived or prescriptive way of working and say this is the way you grow your business to 10 million with an exit strategy mm. that's not the job of a coach a coach's role is to support you in achieving your personal desired outcome mm. so I'm an NLP master practitioner um, some of the other guys I work with are either NLP coaches or they have gone on a on a proper coaching course so our job is not to tell you our job is to coach you to help you find the solution out. Yeah, if you come to us and say, in your experience, which is the best way to handle this situation, we'll give you a number of choices or we'll help you identify a number of choices. Mm. No, that makes sense. And how did, so this is part of what you do. And the other part is as an advisor on the future of work. How did that whole element come about? Um, well, um, I think you probably trace it back to the uh, the early uh, teams when we set up the business. Um, I was encouraged to go into building a personal brand in social media. So as, as um, I think we discussed earlier, I, I was encouraged to read the book Crush It by um, good old Gary Vaynerchuk, who's I think now named by Forbes magazine as the number one social media guru on the planet. And uh, so that I started doing that, talking about the future of work, about because that does interest me, mm. um, and particularly in relation to talent and in, in relation to skills gaps, because ultimately recruitment only exists because there are skills gaps. Mm. Um, certainly at the SME level, I think if you're a Hayes or a, a Deco or a Manpower or a Reed, then maybe you can do the RPOs, you know, where you're processing thousands of applications that's a different market but for the average recruiter that's probably listening to this we're all in the skills gap market mm. um, so so i started on twitter facebook linkedin and suddenly woke up one day when i was listed by sage in their top 50 global influencers on the future of work and then that was followed by two or three other people listing me in the top uh, you know, 10, 20 on various things. And then last year, or no, the year before, um, Onalytica that do lots of these things listed me in the top 10 people in the world on the future recruitment. And I'm the only one, I think, at the time in um, in in the UK. So, yeah. You can ask a question. 
Let's jump into the, the future of work before we jump into the future of recruitment. Yeah. Uh, firstly, how has COVID-19 changed your perception? Wow. Great question. Um, I don't think it's changed my perception about what the future looks like at all. But what it has done is accelerated my mind the changes that are going to take place. So if you'd have asked me 12 months ago what's going to happen in the next five years, I could have given you a timeline um, of, of how business models would evolve. Mm. Um, I think what what I am hearing from the businesses that I'm associated with and involved with is that because globally we have, in some cases, uh, abandoned existing business models or destroyed them or re-engineered them, when we come out of lockdown as, an, as a global economy, um, why would people go back to an old model? Would they not step forward to a new model? Or would they not evolve the lockdown model they've got as a future model? So let's so, let's jump into specifics. Give us an yeah, example of, of of the sector and how how it'll be affected and what what the overall impact will be. Okay, well let's start with the workplace. So I think the workplace is is going to change. What I'm hearing is that uh, large corporates have realised, and and most businesses have realised that most a lot of their staff can work effectively from home for a proportion of their week. It creates challenges, um, and there are a whole set of mental health issues we need to address. There's productivity issues when people are working away from home. But why would somebody spend two hours in the morning commuting into London or Los Angeles or New York, and then spend two hours commuting home at night every day, five days a week? That's 10 hours a week. Mm. when you could improve the quality of your employees lot by saying you don't need to come into work in the office every day um you maybe only have to come in two three times a week uh, what what's that's that going to do for the place the, of work yeah but what, what's that going to do for cities and towns and, and commercial real estate what, what what's the knock-on effect um okay can i let me just go back back to the workplace to start with and then I'll answer that because what that does for the workplace is is businesses therefore don't need the size of offices they have okay that's the first thing because not everybody's going to be in the office unless you have 20 or 40 percent of your office space with nobody using it so they're going to shrink the size of their offices so yes to answer your question that will have an, an impact on commercial real estate Secondly, the types of offices will look different. You won't walk into an office and see 40 desks all in a row. Because if you think about it, if we're doing video conferencing with our colleagues, we'll need the ability to go into a quiet space. And if you go to, I mean, I work with Cisco, as we mentioned earlier. Um, you go into the Cisco office in Bedfont Lakes, they've got little pods that you can go in, which has got a screen and either one or two seats, and you can have a video conference with a colleague anywhere else in the world, and it's a quiet meeting room, so nobody can hear you, and they have a number of these. So why wouldn't most businesses have little pods like that? Because if you're having conference calls with either your candidates, your clients, if you're in recruitment, or your customers, or whatever, or your colleagues, you might have that one-to-one, -one and you can have a meeting with them, just as we are doing now. Mm. Um, 
So that's the design of the office will look differently. We'll have different meeting rooms. We'll have hot desks. Um, and it, you will lose that personal space that you have. You know, I look around my desk here. I've got a whole load of stuff that, you know, is personal to me. I'm better at home. But that might disappear in the workplace, you know, mm. all that sort of stuff. So to answer your next question, how does that change cities? Well, the UK plan for transport and roads was based upon a 1% growth, I believe, in traffic over the next 20 years. I understand the RSA, or I think it was the AA, issued a report last week to question whether that's what's going to happen. Now, they're actually suggesting we might see a 1% decline in cars and lorries and road usage over the next um, 20 years because people will go into the office less. So maybe our cities will become more accessible. Will we design cities differently? You know, electric cars. Go on, you're going to ask me a question. Yeah, the the gig economy and the future of jobs. Do you do you see the the, per, the the traditional model of having one permanent job continuing, or do you see somebody maybe being an independent and employed by m multiple people, or maybe three employers? Do you think that's going to have a, a giant shift over the next 10 years? Um, I think the future of that is all still very much up in the air, um, mainly because in certain economies like the UK and the US, uh, the gig economy is something that is accepted and people are comfortable with it. Um, I'll actually make a bold statement. I think the United Kingdom has the most dynamic and effective recruitment industry in the world having worked across Europe and also done a little bit in the US and other parts of the world. I think our recruitment industry is the most dynamic and, and the most responsive to change and, and can work with, you know, and recycle people when they lose work and can help, you know, freelancers get additional assignments. Once you move into, say, the European economy, there is a, there's a preference for um, employee ownership. A lot of the other European countries their their culture is one where they prefer people to be employed even if they're working as freelancers so you and know i've lived in i've lived in the continent and the, the their tax system and it's all based around the, the permanent job they're they're you know to be able to buy a house as well to be able to um they don't even think entrepreneurially um especially in Brussels. so 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 you asked me a question about what does the future is it going to be more gig I, I i think i think if we look at what's happened in the past and one of the advantages of becoming old with more gray hairs than i used to have is that you have perspective and what you see is that what tends to happen in the us and the uk um which was once referred to me by a lovely gentleman i met in france many years ago as the anglo-saxon work ethic you know whatever happens in the us and the uk tends to gravitate into parts of the, of the northern European economies to start with, usually through the high-tech industries. And if it's adopted and accepted in those industries, then it starts to permeate into other parts of society. Mm. But it's also a, you know, a resistance from a lot of the other European countries. For cultural reasons, we don't want to subject ourselves to that kind of model. So, the so future, think, let's jump into the future of recruitment because... Yeah. Um, out of all industries out there, I think ours is going to be the most affected. Um, we're very resistant to change. You, you talk about Hayes being there. Hayes didn't even have their Citrix 
up and running for people to work from home for the first 10 days. They were completely paralyzed. I had I had their consultants calling me saying, like, they never expected this. They were never going down this road. And here we are in a, in a, in a moment where thousands are furloughed, thousands are made redundant, and companies are being made learn how to work, get their people working from home. We have long-standing trust issues with our employees within the recruitment sector. We tend to hire first jobbers um, who need a lot of supervisions. Um, and it, 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 for me, it, it's flipped the whole thing on its head. This, I, I see a completely different world in the recruitment sector coming out of this than going into it. I think it's fast forward decades. Yeah. Where, where do you stand on that? Um, you, you've asked me about 10 or 12 questions, and it's just a question of... I'll let you talk, don't worry. particular thread I pick up and run with. Um, I mean, let, let, let's, talk about, let's talk about the opportunity, okay? Okay. Tragically, there are about 9 million people who've been furloughed right now. So there are 9 million people who could or could not be returning to work. So if let's, for argument's sake, say, and I'm going to pick a figure off the top of my head, although it's based on conversations I've had with a whole raft of companies up and down the UK, let's suppose suppose only 80% of those get re-employed immediately. You've got a potential 1.8 million people joining the unemployment register on top of those who are currently already unemployed and have been unemployed. Now, that's the challenge for us. That's the challenge for our industry. That's the challenge for our... That's the opportunity as well for the entrepreneurs out there. That 1.8 million people, we need to recycle into work as quickly as we can. And we are the most efficient economy in the world at doing that. If you look at, compare us with Europeans, in the last two recessions, our unemployment as a percentage of the UK workforce was much lower than the Germans, the French, the Dutch, much lower than all the Southern European countries by a long way because we are better at doing that. I have a first-hand experience. I'll never forget as long as I live being a party to the UK and uh, working in Germany at the same time back in the noughties. And there was a person being made unemployed. I remember back in Cambridge, the guy turned up on an open evening and he said, I'd like a job with your client tonight, but if if your client doesn't want me, then I'll take a, a a freelance job anywhere in the UK until I can find the right permanent job. And we got him a job in Aberdeen, working for EDS. Um, but the guy lived in Cambridge, and sure enough, he worked up there for six months, he commuted up and down, and the net effect was, he never entered on the unemployment register, and we as an industry recycled him very quickly, and he eventually found a great job somewhere close to home. Compare and contrast that with Germany, we had a guy who was an Oracle DBA. He got made un- unemployed in Hamburg, and he was offered a job which would have increased his commute to work, by the way, by 15 minutes, but it was still under an hour, and he wasn't willing to change jobs. He, was current- he wanted to continue unemployed. And so he stayed being paid for by the state, and that's a good example of what we are good at in the UK. Now, to answer your question, how much damage has happened to our industry in the last few weeks and months, 
I'm, I'm actually a lot more, I, I would agree, a lot. the existing businesses today, and I think from the last REC figures, I saw there's about 38,000 recruitment agencies in the UK. What I can tell you, because I'm working currently with a, a funder into the UK recruitment sector, is last week, 160 new recruitment agencies were formed at Companies House. And I can also tell you that a number of those are likely to be furloughed or unemployed recruitment consultants. Yeah. And so what, what they will do is they will just set themselves up. So for as many businesses that are, are losing staff and declining and, and can't afford to keep their staff, we'll have a whole load springing up. Now, how efficient and effective they are, I don't know. So I, what I do know, I mean, worked with over the last eight to 10 years with these businesses is that we get people going, creating new businesses, but they have an existing mentality and they use an existing model of recruitment. And some of them do okay. Some of them thrive, usually based on their experience and ability. But the ones that I find most exciting are the ones that start from scratch. Mm. And they come up with a brand new model and next minute, you know, they are absolutely flying and they come up with a new culture. So what I think is going to happen is the culture in recruitment is going to change. And you touched on it. We're not, the leadership and management has, is not comfortable with remote working. And yet our industry is, is made for it. Made you for know? it. It is. We, we can objectively measure the performance of our salespeople, whether they're in the office or whether they're working in their front room. Because there are KPIs, there are systems which will track those KPIs. And as long as people are delivering the outcomes, and that's the key thing, we yeah. can measure the outcomes each week, then they can work from home, can't they? Yeah, but the, the, the issue is that we have, what would you call it? It's uh, Have you ever seen the movie Hunger Games? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we Hunger Games graduates through their first 18 months. Some of them survive. Uh, yeah, within three years, most of them are gone. Um, and then they're on to whatever job within the industry that they were recruiting or they're gone internal for a bit. But if you if you look at, they're all, most of them are gone. Um, yeah. America's slightly different, but in the UK, it, uh, it, it's, it's very much that way. Now, with more flexibility and people being able to work remotely, Surely we'll be able to keep people longer in the industry and improve the reputational issues that we have. Yeah, I mean, let's just go back to the the the, 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 the new entrance into recruitment, which is what you just touched on there. So the industry average is, is, is between 45 to 50% stay in the industry, which is quite poor, really, which means we're losing anywhere between 50% and two-thirds at, at some times. How long? Fifty percent really over what time frame? Well, well, I mean, ultimately, they they never actually get. So if we if let we have to set some some. I mean, this varies from industry to industry, location to location, and we can get into the detail of desk costs. But if we say that a hundred thousand a year or ten grand a month in fees, net fee income, is is the is the ultimately where you want to get your your recruits to to is the is the kind of like I don't know. Is par for the course. I'm a golfer. Okay, that's so that, like that's where S3 would sit globally. Okay, so I'd agree with that. That S3, 
as a rough rule of thumb, it's not bad, but it can vary. But anyway, let's say let's take that as a benchmark. So 50% of people that we take on into the industry never get to that level. Yeah. And they, they, either, they either end their employment in the first six weeks, which is probably very good, or they carry, go on for several weeks and months, and eventually they just fade away. Yeah. Or they get there for one year, but they can't sustain it. So to answer your question, it's the management of those people remotely on five days a week. I don't think that's a model that would, would work, although I've not come across anyone yet that's made it successfully work for numerous, uh, numerous candidates. I can see it working for one or two, but not for everybody. So the remote workers who are spending a large amount of time away are likely to be the ones that have gone above that threshold. The trainees are, are always going to need a lot more supervision, guidance, and control. Although there is tech out there that allows us to now monitor people's calls and record them. Like you're recording a Zoom call, but there are other tools that you can use. And, and I, funny enough, had a demo of one only the other day. So, um, so yeah, we can do that. We could do, we could do that. Some of it comes down to training. I mean, you know as well as I do, there are some recruitment companies that employ a trainee, stick him on, on a desk, give him a computer, give him a phone, give him a copy of a di industry directory and say, off you go, find a job, find a candidate. Where you go, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, where, where we, where, you know, we, I, I have access to a 50-module um, training academy, which, which we often a number of our clients buy them. They can either buy the full module or they can buy the 30 light touch but that is that is a full program and it's you know oddly enough an s3 um uh consultant would would see an awful lot of the methodology the thought process gone into it they would get it straight away so it's it's candidate driven yeah um, so where, where does it look in uh in how, how long before all these companies well so we go back to work are everybody filling the offices or now, nah. are we putting our top performers out, 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 out to do it remotely? So are you asking, let me just clarify the question. Are you asking me how we come out of lockdown? Is that one of your questions? Not yet. Sorry, I'm just plugging this in. Um, no, I'm asking you when we come out of lockdown, because we will. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, will people remain at home? Will they, like, will we all go back to the office or will there be a portion? Like, are, are companies going to adjust to this straight away? Or like, how, how does that look? What conversations are you having with owners? Okay. So the conversations I'm having with owners, who are my clients, we are we're already discussing that. We're although there's no lock, you know, there's no coming out of lockdown. The question I'm asking all of them is, how are you going to come out of lockdown? Which are your of uh, uh, your consultants are you going to bring back first? Are you going to bring everybody back on day one? Are all your clients going to suddenly want to recruit on day one? So I got clients in the construction industry. My gut feel and the feel I'm getting from other customers in the market is that that industry may come back very quick and very hard. Mm. So those clients need to be up and running quite quickly. Um, logistics clients have never have never turned off. They are full blown recruiting right now, and but some of them are have re-engineered their business model in the last three weeks. In fact, I've got one client that's re-engineered their business model twice in the last four weeks. Yeah. And believe it or not, they have still got 50% as many temps out this week as they had before lockdown. How, how did they manage to get the payroll 
to be able to bring everybody back at the same time. Like what what does that look like from a, from an advisory perspective? What how, how are you telling? Well, they, use, um, they use a third party to do the payment of the temp, so an umbrella company to use a, an industry recognised phraseology. So they pay the workers. Yeah. They invoice their customers. All they've got to do is make sure the timesheet's coming. But they're now selling those those temps that they had working previously are now working for different customers. They yeah. had those temps. They just literally went down the road and said, we've got 40 temps being released from this company here. They're all ready to work, and a number of them are drivers. Would you like them, Mr. Retailer? Yeah. No, but I mean with the, with the actual recruiters who are coming back, how are companies going to be able to bring back mass amounts of recruiters at the same well, time? That's a good question. So there's obviously loans that people can get access to. Um, so that what I understand is you can get it up to a hundred thousand without any security. Most businesses, as long as they can demonstrate, you know, track record profitability. So as I said, most of our clients are turning over two to eight million. They can eat, they can normally get a hundred grand as long as they're credit worthy and we can show that they've got. A Proven track record. You get a hundred grand without much difficulty. Some business can get up to a million with a degree of security. Um, and again, that's being reviewed, and it, it depends on lender to lender. Mm. Uh, and some people are getting more than that, depending on the size of their business. Um, so to answer your question, yeah, there's a degree of cash flow. The other thing that I've done with our clients is we protected cash. Because obviously one of the key things is we need working capital when we come out. Oh. I'm a, not, maybe not your clients, but I'm, a, I'm at the bottom of the food chain being affected by, by that protection of cash with my invoices right now. It is. Right. Right. And, you know I, get that. I get that. So that's, so that's construction, which may come back with a big bang. Let's take hospitality. Mm. So I was talking to a hospitality client yesterday. She and I were discussing this very subject. That's not going to come back with a big bang, I don't think. No, I don't think so. Now, I think we're all going to rush out and want to go and, and get out of lockdown and have a few beers in a pub and maybe go to our favourite restaurant and stuff like that. But we all haven't got much cash as a nation anyway. Some, some people do, but as a, as a nation, we haven't got much cash. So we ain't going to be going to too many Michelin-star restaurants and spending 200 quid on a court meal, on a meal for two people and you know 50 quid on a bottle of wine not if many people would do that in the first place anyway but we're not going to do that because that's not out there so that industry is going to take a while to come back um having been through i don't know i've lost track four five downturns over the last 35 years of my career they all we all come out of the recession very differently um but one thing is common and you, the one thing that everyone will remember was how permanent recruitment dropped off a bit after brexit so permanent recruitment in most sectors is not going to come back very quickly. Anyone who's not in, not doing temporary work right now or contracting, if you take nothing out of this call, get on to a lender who can, who can do invoice discounting for you and get an agreement where you can do temps and you can do contracts. Because, you know, you will get freelance people being taken on. Um, and that's the first thing that will happen. In IT, uh, it will start with the project development life cycle. So we'll see lots of project managers being recruited, same in engineering. So as projects are initiated, we'll see a demand for project managers, project managers, project office people. Then it will be business analysts, surveyors, that sort of thing. Um, and then it will be 
Sorry? I said that's a good way to look at it. Yeah, and I'm just giving you a rough example. If you're in logistics, it'd be a different set, but logistics has never really turned off. In manufacturing, there'll obviously be other things that you look at. So those are the things that people need to look at. So they need to have a plan. How do they come out of it? Who are the people in their business they need? Um, do they come back in phases? If they're a multi-sector business, do they refocus people on the sectors that are going to come out fastest? You know? Mm. And one of the great things about permanent is it does bring in cash, but there's not going to be much of it to start with. But each business owner we work with have a different strategy based upon the people that they've got. Mm. Okay. Ian, thanks so much. Where can That'd people find you? Um, I'm on I'm on LinkedIn. Listen, there's not many people in the world called Nelson, and and I think I'm only if you just do at Ian Nelson, you'll find me on Twitter. Link connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, if you want to sell me something, at least be honest and tell me up front you want to sell me something. But if you're a genuine recruiter and you want some advice, just connect with me. Say that's what you want. Happy to talk to anybody right now. I'm actually giving a free coaching session uh, one day. I'm giving one free coaching session a day for the terms of lockdown and I've you know I've been talking to business about this. I don't charge them for it. If in the future they want to come back and talk, that's fine. Yeah. But that's my way of paying back to the industry that I've been passionate about and hopefully that's come across in this really. Yeah no it's been really interesting. Yeah. You should talk about your business because you need to be thinking about what you're going to do as you come out of lockdown. Yeah. Because trust me, there's a lot of opportunity out there for Rex to Rex when you come out of lockdown. Yeah. I'll I'll, I'll run you through some ideas after this. Take care. Good to see you. Thanks very much.